Today is Halloween, and we are here to celebrate the greatest, the best horror comic book series ever published. It is the single best depiction of the Lord of Vampires I have ever experienced on film, television, anywhere. It is the Tomb of Dracula, published by Marvel Comics in the 70s. We are here to sing its praises today. Also, we have a very special announcement about the show going forward and... We say goodbye to two great Southern California comic book stores that have served uh, the greater L.A. basin forever. We give them a proper tribute and so much more on an all-new episode of Observations. Welcome, everybody, to yet another edition of Observations. I am your host, Rob Liefeld. I have been making comics, writing, producing creating, drawing, illustrating comics for 38 years. And on this show, on Observations, we talk about comic books, superheroes, the, the movies that they've become, the, the streaming shows, the toys, the video games. We cover it all from a perspective of a seven-year-old boy in 1974 who was grabbing his very first comic books. That boy would be me. I have watched comic books explode across all of the various media platforms and become a juggernaut I never, ever anticipated. But I love it because I love comics. I love comic book superheroes. And more importantly, I love the people, the creators who make them. And 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 over the course of the these last three seasons of Observations, uh, a, a show born in the pandemic, uh, to to talk comics, if if it was just me and this and this microphone, and 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 you have opted uh, to come along this ride with me, where we celebrate really all things comic books and and superheroes, and again the way that they've expanded. This is our Halloween episode. We are broadcasting. For Halloween, this will be heard on Halloween. So I, I literally waited one full year to to give you this very rich material. The, the, today, the show is going to be great because the material is great. There's no way that the show cannot be just outstanding today because the book that I'm going to talk to you about and the material and 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 the quality of, of the draftsmanship and and the illustrations and the story are top notch. And we are going to get right into our Halloween themed episode of Rob Observations, which is, you know, the reason I had to punt it a year is last year I ran out of real estate in Halloween uh, in September of 2022. So, and then October, mid-October before Halloween of October, 2022, I did do two monster episodes uh, one very Frankenstein, Frankenstein centric because of Marvel's publication of Frankenstein, and then the way that they incorporated Frankenstein into the greater Marvel universe, having him appear in books such as Avengers and previously X Men. In September, I covered Werewolf by Night, the Marvel monsters, and 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 why Werewolf by Night was one of my absolute favorites, and and you know again Werewolf by Night gave you a a huge launch. Of, of a character named Moon Knight out of it. So it has considerable like historical relevance right now, uh, Werewolf by Night does. But those those were, I love werewolves, I love Frankenstein, but the granddaddy of them all, the absolute uh, premier Marvel horror comic book. And in my opinion, the greatest horror comic book ever published, I don't even think it's close, it's not even close, is The Tomb of Dracula. 
which the majority, and I'm talking about like maybe 64 issues of that book were written by Marv Wolfman. It is his masterpiece, and we're going to get into it. And yes, I'm gonna, I am going to throw around the word masterpiece today. I'm going to challenge you to to uh, to tell me that 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 this body of work doesn't consider it. And then an artist that I do not talk about enough here, but I'm gonna, and I'm going to tell you why I don't talk about him enough. I'm I'm, I'm going to tell you, but we are going to give him his full send off his full tribute today is Gene Colon and his collaborator on inks, finishes and embellishes embellishing is, is Tom Palmer. The tomb of Dracula is the literally the, the finest, most exquisite horror monster comic ever published by any publisher. And, and, and in the, 1970s it fit perfectly with what what was going on in the culture you you had the rise especially out here on the west coast i don't know where uh things were landing in in philadelphia in wisconsin uh in illinois in montana but out in southern california on the west coast uh the church of satan and a gentleman named anton levey were really in the news a lot uh we, we had become very much uh fascinated by Satanism, the Church of Satan, uh, it really become a counterculture thing. It was uh, young people adopted it, certainly musical acts, the most popular of which would be Kiss played right into that. And and having gotten to know Gene Simmons, the, the, the front man, uh, along with Paul Stanley, but the two of them really manage, control uh, all of Kiss. And, and Gene could not be prouder of all that he accomplished and i've talked to you in the past about how much kiss was affecting me and all the kids of my age uh just 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 uh i think 43 years ago uh around the, the time that i'm doing this episode they had they had a tv movie their first tv movie which was i believe called phantom of the park and and, and kids were like superheroes trying to solve a mystery and uh, they had superpowers each one of them had different powers kiss really played into it they had marvel comics uh you know publications, and again, you had you had every religious sector as well as the media saying that Kiss stands for Kings in Satan's service or Knights in Satan's service. I heard both Kings and Knights, and and of course, when you're a Baptist minister kid, I've told you you hide those albums. My sister was a little more brazen; she worshipped at the altar of of, of heavy metal. Uh, she had her ACDC, and again, at, at this time, the ACDC covers, you know, had had uh, horns coming out of these guys' heads. Um, you had you had obviously Ozzy Osbourne, you had Black Sabbath, uh, and 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 even the freaking wraparound cover to Hotel California. People say that Anton Lavey, uh, the 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 high priest of the Church of Satan, is in the window in the back. They go, that is him. He made a pact with the Eagles. I mean, trust me, I got a lot of this through the the. Uh, the, the 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 religious sector uh, of which I grew up in, given that my dad was a Baptist minister, and and here's the thing you need to know about my dad. My dad was super quiet, super quiet. He would he was he loved to study. He went on got his master's degree because he liked to study and and uh, just explore uh, the Bible and religion. Uh, when he what the opportunities that he was given to speak at the church that I grew up in, which was my grandfather's church. My grandfather did not cede that throne uh, easily. He liked the pulpit. He liked using it. And my, my my father would only get to speak every so often, but he was the head of a, uh, as, as many of you who go to church, the fellowship uh, group. The fellowship group was all the 30s 
age parents, the high end was was 40s. And that is where I, I, me and my buddies who all went to school together and all came up and there was a bunch of young men. Uh, all of these parents were, 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 were spitting out little boys around the same age and they were all some of my best friends from kindergarten through junior, junior high. And so I knew them also as part of being in my dad's uh, fellowship group. And I was talking about when my dad was uh, in a coma in nine months, all that stuff. I've covered it so many times. What I don't say enough is how much that fellowship group did uh, come alongside my family. So that, that you know, whatever you want to say about church's religion, and I'm not here to really talk about uh, talk about either, but, but community can really foster some great caring and love and friendship. And those people rallied around our family during that time. And there was a big send-off the weekend before he went, and I know he was deeply touched uh, but, but by that and, and by the love poured out by the group that he really helped facilitate that that's uh, a little little sidebar on my dad's role in the, in the church that I grew up in uh, he I mean like a vice president uh, rarely seen rarely heard okay and and my grandfather was basically you know the president of the church and and and, and vice you know uh, second seat pastor is is like a vice president but my dad didn't rail against these things he would just cautionarily say you're not into that kiss stuff are you Robbie and uh <laughs> he was just a quiet guy but but certainly the the rise of satanic images the devil was really uh popping in in the mid 70s which is just such a great it's such a crazy decade i'm so i'm so glad i grew up in the 70s it is it is rich with memories. I mean, again, I would say, you know, especially in the mid 70s, it was skateboard, surf culture, and Satanism, all like 1974 to 1978, man. That was the the three things. And we were able to participate openly uh, as little kids in, in, in skating and surfing, but no way, no how the Satanist stuff was 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 terrifying. I mean, you understand some of the Marvel superheroes that I was um, picking up at the time, and, I, and I've talked about how my mom would, would caught me with an issue of Shang-Chi martial arts comic book master of Kung Fu. And she thought that the imagery and, and, and the character of, of uh, Fu Manchu and some of the shirtless uh, warriors and some of the priests in the image uh, in the temple, she just thought that was blasphemous. My mom was a little more activist on that end. So I was stealth, man. I, I had to be stealth. I had to be stealth with all of this stuff. And at the same time, Marvel was uh, publishing a book called Damien Hellstrom, The Son of Satan. And he looked cool, bare-chested, horns, good-looking guy, super handsome. Because you know, again, Lucifer was supposed to be the most beautiful of all the angels uh, for, for, from from Lucifer's origin in the Bible, uh, which which you know should be a first edition CGC slab somewhere. Except it's the best-selling book in the history of man. So I mean, there's no rarity when it comes to that. Little tongue-in-cheek there, guys. Uh, uh, little little sarcasm, but but they were publishing a book called Son of Satan, and he was also popping in and out of one of my uh, favorite team books called The Defenders. And I was like, wow! I mean, Son of Satan, that logo was big, and that those issues I actually did not ever bring home. I would per- purview them, uh, survey them, uh, I, 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 I peruse, excuse me, peruse them and survey them at the liquor store in the 7-Eleven. Uh, and not, 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 gonna risk bringing those home whatsoever so that really uh sets the stage in, 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 again 
Anton LaVey, Church of Satan, really in the backdrop of the West Coast, but also you also in, 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 in pop culture, The Exorcist, Rosemary's Baby, uh, the, the Omen. These were huge hits. Uh, people were completely and totally bought into a lot of this demonic, satanic, uh, devil worship culture. Uh, you know, and, and, and in so many of these uh the, the, these depictions of these movies and these TV shows again, evil wins. You know, I, I had my my wife rewatch Rosemary's Baby at the at, because I I bought the laser disc of Rosemary's Baby in the uh, mid nineties. I had the most kick ass, still have the most kick ass laser disc collection. Uh, it's just we don't really have room for the laser disc player and to play it anymore. But believe you me, at the time that was the very best way to see each and every movie. And I had a vast fat collection. I got the Rosemary's Baby. Uh, Laserdisc, and we watched it. My wife and I watched it, but I think our three kids just took all of her memories, and 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 <laughs> nothing before two thousand exists, and she forgot most all of it. So, so I said we, we got to watch Rosemary's Baby again because I was telling her about it on a long drive that we had, and she, she just did not seem to, um, it just didn't seem to jog her memory. So I watched it again with her, and she did admire the artistry and the brilliant character work and performances. But at the end, she's like, "Wait, what? Like, like that's not what I wanted." And and the the bottom line is you know spoiler alert, Exorcist, Rosemary's Baby, The Omen, uh, Evil wins, and and it was meant to send the the you know many of them were based on books, so it was meant to send to, to make the reader uncomfortable, and then later on the the filmed audience the 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 audience for the film uh, it, it, it meant to have them leave the, audi- the, the the theater and discuss. And I would love to have come out of a theater in 1967, 1968 with so many of these, uh, like Rosemary's Baby, and then later in the 70s with The Exorcist and, and, and Omen, and, and hear the conversations that, that that took place as they were exiting the theater and like, wait, what? Mia Farrow is going to raise the devil? Uh, so, so, you know, pop culture, music, movies, this was really a big deal. And what, what had happened in the comic book culture at the time was the comic book code authority had lessened their restrictions, which is why, and I cover some of that in more in, in, in a slightly more detail, and I think the Frankenstein and the Werewolf episodes, but Marvel saw an opportunity to go forward and make these monster comics because having the comics code authority lifted meant more, more not just more violence, but more horrific imagery, if you can believe that, more basically people with fangs screaming at you. You're like, but Lightfeld, Morbius the Vampire, yes. Yes, Marvel had danced with Morbius the Vampire prior to publishing Tomb of Dracula. They were trying to dance that line. They wanted vampires, and and, and that's why Morbius looks like he's in like a disco suit uh, and, and, and has sweet 1970s hair uh, to, to go with his snout and fangs. But Morbius certainly was scratching at the surface. But once the, the, the code lifted in 1970, 1971, during that time period, and Marvel then immediately saw an opening to add to their publication line and get that's why you suddenly got Frankenstein and you got werewolf books werewolf by night also uh, uh, Spider-Man uh, you know with Man-Wolf Spider-Man was a great book to dance with all this stuff but but when Marvel saw a way to get some of the legit what we call the universal monsters the depictions of them but but through Marvel through Marvel's lens give you Marvel's version of Frankenstein Marvel's version of of Werewolf and then Marvel's version of Dracula and trust me the reason that they tro- chose Dracula was because Dracula is the most popular he's the biggest another thing going on at this time a lot of Dracula depictions but from the Hammer films movies and all of their various different uh performances uh, Christopher Lee was was uh was Dracula you also had a comedic take 
Dracula had gotten such a big deal, had, had, become, had become such a big deal that, that there were comedies about Dracula. Love at First Bite with George Hamilton was a, a movie my mom may or may not have seen because, oh my gosh, it's, it's George Hamilton. He's so handsome. I don't care if he's playing a vampire. And that's just, and, and that's why they cast him because they're like, we're going to get these, these uh, you know, housewives and these middle-aged ladies who have the hots for George Hamilton to go see our vampire film, okay? And that, that's, why they, that's why they cast him. So setting the stage, horror, comics, vampires, Dracula. Marvel gets big time into the Dracula business with the launch of Tomb of Dracula number one. Now, 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 before you go all, oh man, I'm not into Dracula, I'm not into vampires, I'm not listening to this, this episode, listen to me, you hang with me. You, you take my hand and you walk with me through this episode, okay? Because let me tell you something. Uh, you, you're you're going to want to hear about how cool this comic was. I did not want to interface with Tomb of Dracula. I kind of found it because there was nothing else coming out at the time. And it started to blow me away. And the reason I hadn't talked about it is because I knew last Halloween I wanted to talk about it this Halloween. But... In, in, in all honesty, the fact that I haven't given it its due praise over three years of observations is slightly shameful on my part, uh, and, and I'm here to correct that today. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a little embarrassing that I haven't held up a series that I believe is one of the, wait for it, wait for it, top 10 comic book series of all time. Top 10 comic book series of all time. So I'm going to say it one more time. Top 10 comic book series of all time, and here's the deal. Uh, just like in The Exorcist, when Max von Sydow and they're trying to calm down Linda Blair, who's just gone batshit, demonic, crazy, uh, turn her head around, spitting on him. And, you know, when Max von Sydow's like, the power of Christ compels you. The power of Christ compels you. Just let the power of Christ compel you today and take my, take this journey with me, okay? Take this journey with me through Dracula because I'm going to turn you on to some crazy great comic books because right now you know that there's a hole in your comic book collection many people uh believe that marv wolfman's greatest written accomplishment is the work that he did on the very popular long-running teen titans series that he did starting off with george perez and then when george left many many other artists along the way but it was never ever as strong as he and george perez were working together and then of course they did crisis on infinite earths which is kind of the event comic to, to top all event comics. It was brilliant. Um, I'm here to tell you that Marv Wolfman's greatest work, his best writing, his his most compelling is Tomb of Dracula. It's not even close. This is up there with Chris Claremont's X-Men stuff. Uh, it is rich in character, conflict, consequences. And, and you're like, really? A, a, a Tomb of Dracula? So I was ignoring Tomb of Dracula for the longest time. But around 1975, when they're in the 40s, the book is in the 40s, uh, and especially in 1976, because uh, I would always see it on the stands. It was it was it was produced regularly, monthly. It was it was out. Uh, it was it was visible. It was racked with all the other comic books. But I would look past it because of my absolute thirst for all things superheroes. And when I had consumed all the Marvel comics that I want, and then I kind of looked at some of the DC comics. I, I just did not like DC comics. As much as I liked Marvel, uh, I thought DC had a goofy factor to it. That that Marvel had more consequential, more more. Um, just uh, I've mentioned it many times here. Just more relatable, more dire. Uh, maybe maybe bigger, more cosmic situations. And then you're like, well, Spider Man wasn't cosmic, no, but it was again more relatable, more dire. And certainly, Marvel did better action. I, I will go to my grave. I think Marvel has always 
uh, executed better action, especially during this period of time. DC had a very certain style that they did, and and so I part I I, I partook less with DC Comics. But bottom line, after I had gobbled up and consumed with my quarters, twenty five cents a copy, whatever, thirty cents a copy, uh, the, the 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 Marvel superheroes and the DC superheroes, you know, you go to the you go to the corner market, the grocery store, you're you're hunting, you got the fever, you want more comics, you want more, you know, comic book experiences, and finally one day I pulled off Tomb of Dracula. And I said, I'm gonna check this out. And I was like, holy crap. This is a really good book. This is like I'm coming in into the middle of a storyline, but the characters are are very identifiable. And and this this character of Dracula is incredibly imposing. And much of the reason I am I mean, look, I, I can't say that. I was gonna say is the art of Gene Colin because the writing of, of Marv Wolfman is I don't go hard on writers a lot and I'm going to go hard on a writer today in in that this is the best work of his entire career. Yes, before I jumped on this, I reread the entire uh collection of Tomb of Dracula. And one of the things that 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 I have to caution is collecting this stuff if you want to go back and collect it. I was I little I had a little bit of a sticker shock. Um the 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 uh the the, the stuff is expensive. The omnibuses are expensive. I think they're all long out of print. So, so that, that that's a hard recommend. I guess digital is an option. If digital, I didn't I didn't look into it. I'm assuming it's out there. But I'm going to really focus on the last 20, 25 issues of Tomb of Dracula today because I think it's the richest, most uh, exciting period. And it and and you're going to see that uh, I'm going to try and turn you on with the fact that Silver Surfer uh, battles. Dracula and and the aforementioned Damien Hellstrom is in it and maybe the greatest contribution as I as I said earlier the greatest com- contribution that Werewolf by Night probably had to the current pop culture is Moon Knight uh, the greatest contribution that Tomb of Dracula gave the culture is Blade the Vampire Slayer there is no Wesley Snipes Blade one two three without Tomb of Dracula he never had his own series he didn't have his own series until. The movie came out in 1998 because Marvel's like, what? We're, we're put, New Line's putting out a movie featuring our character and we produced it and we don't have a comic book to come alongside it. Wesley Snipes was drawn to that character from his exploits, which were his, these are his primary exploits. Blade was a uh, dedicated supporting cast member uh, in pursuit of killing Dracula the entirety of his existence and for most of the comic book's run. He is a major player in this story. And you can see where Wesley Snipes, when he was, you know, deciding, am I going to be, am I, am I going to be Black Panther? Am I, am I going to be Blade? Blade is the more compelling character. You're, a, you're a, the biggest at the time. Wesley Snipes was arguably after, uh, you know, Passenger Fifty Seven and Demolition Man and all of the, the uh, I, I believe he did Jungle Fever with Spike Lee. He was, he was one of the top leading black actors in Hollywood. He wanted his own vehicle, and so he set out to, to find. Uh, one that would suit him best, and I and I think he landed on the very best possible option in Blade, and that is the Blade that is from the pages of Tomb of Dracula, and he is drawn magnificently. I, I in a minute we're going to pause and we're just going to gush over the illustrations and the drawings and and how much better. You're, at, at, at some point, all of you artists, we all have to stand in front of the mirror and just go, Gene Colan draws better than me. Gene Colan draws better than me, and finally, Gene Colan, yes, indeed, absolutely draws better than me. But the story uh, of Dracula, and and I'm 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 going to read I'm going to read to the last page. Dracula seventy was the 
last issue of Tomb of Dracula that was put out. And there, there's a little bit of a backstory there. Jim Shooter came to Marvel Wolfman. They didn't like each other. This is not a uh, a secret. Marv Wolfman and Len Wein, were, they were best buddies. And in the 70s, Marvel had a writer-editor situation. And Jim Shooter has gone on record that he despised the way that those guys conducted themselves. Now, whether that's true or not, I wasn't there. I don't know that. Marv acknowledges in his interviews that Jim didn't like him. Jim acknowledges in his interviews that he didn't like Marv or Len. He didn't deal with them maybe in the best manner, and and given that he obviously alienated them, causing them to cross the street and go create his biggest competition in the Titans, you have to maybe think that Jim could have found another method, another way to coexist other than kind of just resenting these guys and, and, and taking so much from them. But during his period as a writer-editor, Marv did great work on, on the Fantastic Four, on Spider-Man, on, on top-selling books for Marvel, as did Len Wein. And, and, they, and, and, and Len also did the Hulk. I mean, these guys did big top-tier. Len obviously wrote Giant Size X-Men number one, which then became a Chris Claremont vehicle. But, but Len is the guy with Dan, Dave Cockrum who brought to you the seminal, transformational comic that really changed all of Marvel's fortunes down the line. But Marvin Len were two of the most popular writers Marvel had, but when they had come into their own, they could edit their own work. Jim believed that they were lazy and sloppy and they missed their deadlines and they were, you know, that they were a, a, a uh, an error that needed to be corrected in many ways. Even though he would acknowledge that they're good writers, he, he basically didn't like the, the, the practices around how they were producing their work. So when he became the EIC, I think he asserted his authority on them. They brushed back because they had had everything their way. They could heat talks. They would come into the office at 3 o'clock. They would leave at 9 p.m. or stay later, then come in the next day at 4 o'clock. And, and again, Jim Shooter wanted everything to run on time. He, he, he was tasked with putting Marvel back on track. And in the process and having seen Marv Wolfman in the very late 70s, early 80s at comic store appearances, conventions, uh, I think you would say that they were more of what what, what you would call the, the hippie mentality. And, and Jim Shooter, I think, has never been anything other than a suit. He understands that. And he's a suit who is a creative, given that he has written some of my favorite Avengers comic books, some of my favorite comic books, period. So he is also a suit, but he understood. Uh, he, he is a creative who acted and operated very much like a suit in, in a way that that Len Wein and Jerry Conway and Marv Wolfman and Steve Englehart did not. And those were kind of the big writers during that time. The reason I'm telling you this is Marv will tell you that it is Jim Shooter that, that gave Tomb of Dracula not only the axe, but there were 72 issues planned and 72 issues drawn. And he axed the book with 70 and let all that other supplemental, that, 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 Issue 7172 then became what, what you would call as like, you know, unused supplemental material to be used in collections down the line. But formally, because again, there's always dish. You guys love the dish and I love the dish, so I'm sharing you the dish. Tomb of Dracula ended with, with issue 70. And the last two pages, in the last three pages, but I'm going to go to the last two pages. The last three pages, Marv Wolfman goes out of his way to kind of give you a sweeping kind of broad re, um, you know, it's almost like a poem about Dracula towards the end. But the last two pages, which, which has this incredible montage art by Gene Colan, it says, We who have chronicled his 500 years and more have stood and shown his existence without critique. But now that it is over, 
we have one thing to say. And you turn the page from these montages and it's just this ghastly image, this, this image in the skies of Dracula over, over his Transylvanian castle. And it said, Dracula was a man. And never should that be forgotten. And that is the last captions, last two pages of Tomb of Dracula. And that is what Marv wanted you to remember the most about Tomb of Dracula. Dracula, uh, for, first first and foremost, uh, we, 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 we got to know here is that, and I think this is one of the most interesting, the most interesting facts uh, that, 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 that can be shared is that uh, the Tomb of Dracula is Marvel's most successful series to ever feature a villain in its title as its titled character, okay? And and given how hard during this time they were trying to turn on their bad guys and their villains, even, even during this time, during this time period, about two years into Tomb of Dracula's run, they launched Super Villain Team-Up, which was a book that Doctor Doom and Namor the Submariner would coexist in. Uh, and, and they would have adventures fighting each other and fighting other villains along the way. Super Villain Team-Up never rose to the status that Tomb of Dracula did. What Marv and Gene did with Tomb of Dracula is give Dracula, he, he was obviously center stage. Each and every issue, he was as powerful a, a, a presence in that book as the best Doctor Doom appearances, the best Thanos appearances. Uh, he was always under fire from all the different hunters and families uh, and, and, and and either even cosmic threats that were surrounding Dracula. You are... You are with Dracula the entire way as he is trying to survive and and make a life for himself. He wants to have his children, Lilith, love him, but she hates him. She wants to kill him. He marries uh, a beautiful woman named Domini, D-O-M-I-N-I, or Domini. And they seek to, you know, have a union, make a baby, start a family. Dracula wants love. <laughs> there's, an, <laughs> there's, a, there's a British... Uh, pop singer from the 80s called Samantha Fox and she's she said naughty girls need love too that was her big pop song and and, and it, <laughs> I'm just thinking Dracula needs love too uh okay Dracula and the naughty girls uh need, need love too and 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 uh and and really you get the darkness uh, around the fact that his mov- movements are limited he is literally a a high value threat uh to everyone who is who is trying to take take him out and especially the last section like I said I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on like the last 25 issues because I think it really found its stride and it went cosmic it hit all of the little Rob Liefeld buttons because again I pulled these comics out because I had nothing else to buy and I'm like wow Tomb of Dracula is better than most of the comic books most of the comic books I'm reading let's go to the drawing before I go any further Gene Colan was not an artist that I ever enjoyed on superheroes I, I he did uh, storied runs uh, of, of Doctor Strange, of Daredevil, Captain America, Iron Man, and I did not really favor any of them. While I can tell you that they are absolutely incredibly well illustrated, I didn't enjoy his interpretation of the superhero form in the same way that I was enjoying Neil Adams or the John Burns or Jim Starlin, you name it, Jack Kirby, George Perez. But Tomb of Dracula, which Gene Colan had to fight to get, they were going to assign it to another artist. And and 
Gene Colan said in interviews, he went to Stan and said, don't do that. Let me compete for this job. And, and, uh, and, and Stan was a little taken aback, but, but Gene, Ca- Gene Colan beat out uh, Bill Everett, the, the long-standing submariner creator and, and illustrator, for the job because Stan was going to give it to Bill Everett, but Gene Colan was like, no, let me, let me show you up some samples. Uh, one of the interesting things, given the, how, how often that uh, Dracula was appearing in pop culture at the time, Jack Palance, the actor who who you you're gonna know the best from from as the mob boss in Batman or 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 uh, or the 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 uh, Billy Hank Billy Hanks, <laughs> oh man, the Billy Crystal uh, cowboy movie. Uh, but 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 r- really, you're gonna know him. Uh, Jack Palance was the mobster who who says to Jack Nicholson, "You're my number one a guy." Okay, remember that? Such a great line read. <clears throat> You're my number one, a guy. Uh, it, Jack Palance was a huge actor, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Uh, City Slickers, that's, that's, City Slickers is, is, you know, where he got his Oscar and he did his one-handed push-ups, but he had portrayed Dracula and Gene Colan is on record as saying his Dracula is based on Jack Palance, which was a huge departure. But you can see it in certain shots. The, the and, and Jack Palance was much younger when he was he, he, the, he was basing his Dracula on Jack Palance. You know, a good twenty five years, thirty years before you saw him in City Slickers and you saw him in uh, Batman Number One, a guy. Okay, so 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 you got the reference down, and Gene Colan goes to town. And here is the thing. Gene Colan may not have been my, you know, top comic book superhero action artist, but when it came to Tomb of Dracula, there's no one who is going to draw better than Gene Colan. Faces, people having conversations, just a, a romantic kiss, a passionate gesture from Dracula to his wife. Nobody stages people loading their weapons in a living room, loading their crossbows. Uh, and 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 stakes better than Gene Colan, but just the casual conversations of faces or the dire, you know, uh, passages between 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 characters who are in great peril. Uh, one of the great artists to ever illustrate comics, and and this was his perfect fit. I did not like him. I do not care for his superhero stuff in any way, shape, or form. In the same way that I care for this, I've always told people. Uh, myself, let's say Todd McFarlane, let's even say Jim Lee. Maybe, well, Jim Lee probably would have, but certainly not Eric Larson. We would not have thrived on romance comics, okay? But we found our niche and we stuck to it. Action, big, big, giant, relentless action vehicles, and and that's where you got to know us and where we thrived. Gene Colan in Tomb of Dracula, this gothic uh, soap opera. Also, again, yes, during this time, there is an afternoon soap opera called Dark Shadows, okay, with the vampire Barnabas, okay, and 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 Dark Shadows was a big hit. Yes, there was a soap opera in the afternoons after school that ran alongside the General Hospitals, the Young and the Restlesses, whatever the, the 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 days of our lives of its time called Dark Shadows, and 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 so again, just the way that Dracula and vampires had had really permeated the culture. The the culture was. Uh, was profound in this in this mid to late seventies era, and Tomb of Dracula fed into the Marvel Wolfman took over 
the first five issues of Dracula are just uh, first five or six are drawn are, are are written by different people, and I just sound like a seal. R R R and and Marv came in and righted the ship. Gene Colan drew every single issue, but by the last twenty five issues, I don't know what Marv. I mean, Marv had, had really been setting up the conclusion to some of these really exciting. Stories I talked to you about. I talked about Anton Lavey and the Church of Satan. Well, they had a character, you know, based on Anton Lavey. Who wait for it? His name was Anton. <laughs> I think Marv did not want to uh, did not want to obscure in any way that he was kind of making a a, a reference to Anton Lavey and the Anton in 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 Dracula is Anton Lepesky. Lepesky. He's mainly called Lepesky all the time. And, and he and he really pedals back off of the Anton. He wasn't drawn to resemble Anton LeBay. Guy has guy wears horns in his hair. But but uh, the, the the Anton Lepesky in in the comic book, not Anton LeBay of of the real life Church of Satan. Uh, Lepesky is a satanic priest who thought he was summoning the devil, but instead summoned Dracula. And then Dracula does his wrong, d- does him wrong, uh, manipulates and embarrasses him, and so he swears at this point towards these last 25 issues, his satanic cult is going to take down Dracula come what may. And I mean, this it's get it gets murderous, it's dark, it's grisly, uh, but, but he runs a satanic cult. And yes, they have altars and tables and sacrifices and they're dark and they wear robes. And so they're, they're kind of an ominous force. And, and so much so that yes, the way Silver Surfer is drawn into a battle with Dracula is Anton uh, Lepesky and his satanic cult pray uh, for a someone to oppose Dracula. And let me tell you something. Whoo, baby. Gene Colan can draw Silver Surfer, baby. It is fantastic. They literally pull Silver Surfer out of this guy's during the 70s at this point. Stanley and anybody who portrayed Silver Surfer, I think it was it was it was an it was mandatory that his very first images that you saw of Silver Surfer, whatever book that he was guest starring in, he would have to be lamenting about losing his planet, the love of his life, Shala Ball, and how how he uh was trapped on Earth from the shield that Galactus put around the planet, preventing him from, you know, crossing through the barrier. There's a great story, a one-shot Silver Surfer that John Byrne did, uh, where where he packs, uh, makes a supernatural pact to, to in order to to actually bypass that that shield that Galactus has trapped him. It's it's a really fun one-shot standalone story that was released maybe '82. Uh, great, just some absolutely great Stanley stuff. Uh, uh, John Byrne stuff. Stanley got John got Stanley to dialogue over his plot, and so it was cool for 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 Byrne, who's at the peak of his powers at that time, doing Fantastic Four and and Captain America and X Men to to go and and put a story down and have Stan interact with it. But again, Silver Surfer appears in the same manner in Tomb of Dracula, surfing through the skies, lamenting all that his lo- he has lost, his love, his planet, and boom, he's transported. And this satanic cult has caught him in their snares, and they reroute him to battle Dracula, who is hiding in, his, uh, in, in Boston with his bride as she is pregnant with their son. And trust me, that's going to come into play. And they have a spectacular battle with which you see how, like, powerful dracula is he is a supernatural dark lord they refer to him as a demon a dark lord um he is ridiculously his power level is off the charts at this point he uh 
in, in this period of time, he also battles Doctor Strange to a standstill. Marvel wanted you to know that this version of Dracula, their Marvel Dracula, was a badass. Again, Hannibal came, uh, uh, Blade, which would burst onto his own success, is born in these pages. Blade exists, and the origin is the same. Blade is uh, a child of a, a woman who is bit by a vampire, so he has uh, vampire abilities, but he is not controlled by Dracula but he's got his cool 70s version of what uh, Wesley Snipes would portray. He's got this leather flak jacket and gear and, and, and stakes and swords and knives and, and straps and goggles. He's, he's, he's a super badass. He gets a couple of standout uh, and standalone episodes, you know, every, every like 10, 10 issues to, to show you kind of the life and the struggles of Blade as he looks to hunt down Dracula. He, he actually has a very, uh, for him, climactic battle with Dracula shortly after this Silver Surfer encounter. But Surfer encounters just how powerful uh, Dracula is. And there's there's and, and, and a very strong, I think Marv Wolfman needed to, to communicate that Dracula is also on some level able to manipulate Lepesky and his satanic cult with, with a hold that he has over them. And because Silver Surfer continues to say, it feels like I'm being held back. It feels like I'm being held back. It's because Dracula is con- is affecting the control that they have over Silver Surfer, so it kind of, you know, juices and cheats the field in Dracula's favor. But it's a great conflict, and the and the three quarter splash when Silver Surfer splashes uh, splashes literally into, uh, I mean, he's the Surfer uh, into the church to confront Dracula is is incredibly staged. That's the thing about Gene Colan; his his panels are incredibly staged. If if it's if it's uh, Two characters making out before they're going to go into the darkness and risk their lives. Uh, if it's there, if it's them, you know, going through the cathedrals, the dark cathedrals of which there are many dark cathedrals. His staging, his lighting, his drawing, his his this this Gene Colan was the best life drawing artist in every life drawing class. I took life drawing uh, for a couple of years at the local junior college, and trust me, uh, that that is where you are drawing straight from models that are in front of you. And, and you are, you know, uh, uh, just given 20 minutes, 60 minutes, 40 minutes studies. They're called studies that you do. Uh, I have no doubt that Gene Colan was the world's greatest life model artist. He draws from life. These people look real. Their faces are incredible. I am stunned. I was able to get the essential versions of this stuff. It may be your cheapest option if you want to check it out. I think it's the best option. I think without the color, the artwork is the strongest uh, that it's ever, ever been. But Dracula's tangle with Silver Surfer was just the beginning because then this cosmic entity named Janus, I call him cosmic, you could call him supernatural, but he's kind of an Adam Warlock golden child. But he, he looks like, you know, a 29, 30-year-old Adam Warlock type that, that emerges to kill Dracula and and Dracula really can't understand where this guy gets this power. And at one point, Janus identifies himself as Dracula's offspring. So Dracula's offspring has come back literally in kind of a time travel twist to kill uh, Dracula. And, and Janus is incredibly powerful and really wipes the floor with Dracula almost as a warning, but... They're, they're dancing around the fact, Marvel Woman is dancing around the fact that he is in, imbued with the power of God, angelic uh, power, basically the, the the light to Dracula's darkness. And this is 
like Jim Starlin level cosmic cool crap that goes on when Janice uh, is battling Dracula the entire time that the Silver Surfer and Janice and, and Anton's cult, all that stuff is going on. The backdrop is is Dracula just wants his kid. It, with Domini, Domini, he wants you know his kid to, to be born and to live and have offspring. Well, a couple of issues later, they do, and, and the baby is named Janus. And you're like, holy crap. And when I say Janus, J-A-N-U-S, it's a Greek uh, god name. And Janus uh, is the name of their baby. And you're like, oh, Marvel's trying to tell us something here. So Dracula will eventually have a giant climactic battle with his own son who looks more like an angel and will eventually absolutely have angel wings and be revealed as like the 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 power of the light the power of god rests in janus to destroy dracula and uh and so they they, they tangle quite often but uh something very tragic happens to their baby and it has to do with kind of dracula and the cult making its final move and and even even along the 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 the, the storyline there's there's uh Hannibal King is a character there's the there's the uh there's obviously the aforementioned blade there's all manner of different vampire hunters that are trying to take down uh Dracula the entire time and of course if you've seen any of the famous Bram Stoker uh adaptations you've got the Van Helsing family and then the Harker family and so their offspring are all throughout the series trying to band together when i when i say that like no one draws a group of people i mean one of the harkers is in a wheelchair loading his crossbow no one draws people loading their weapons for a vampire battle better than gene colon i'm telling you and tom palmer's slick inks oh this artwork is incredible the staging but marv is 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 weaving this incredible tapestry of characters of consequences of of uh of events that really come to this great head in in the what what he calls a compromised finale, which they had to throw out several pages because Jim Shooter, you know, wouldn't allow him to go to issue seventy two. He wanted it over at seventy. I, I do believe that 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 Marv, this when you read the entirety of Tomb of Dracula, it, it it reads like a fantastic novel. And yes, of course, I, I I believe there is an aside where Marvel should absolutely think about bringing this stuff and adapting it to screen and making their own version of Dracula because they have it. This is rich. This is rich stuff. There's there's a reason these back issues are more expensive and these collections, these omnibuses, these hardcovers are not easy to access. But one of the key supporting characters who tries to kill. Uh, Dracula is slain by Dracula and there is a sequence in one of the books that opens I'm trying to be not not identify the character but uh Damien Hellstrom who I told you son of Satan who was popping up all around the Marvel Universe at the time joins this character at arrives side by side of the characters mourning the death of this uh supporting cast member and Damien says I'm going to resurrect this character he, they shouldn't have died and they need to be back in the fight battling Dracula so Damien Hellstrom rises this character from the dead in order to engage him again in Dracula. And so whether it's Silver Surfer, whether it's Damien Hellstrom, you're getting a lot of the Marvel big kind of supernatural and cosmic characters weighing in on on Dracula's, you know, saga, his consequences, his tale over the course of these last 25 issues, which I think are the absolute most exciting ones. And of course, um, that there are dire consequences to come, just like any uh, 
evil baby scenario, whether it's Omen, Exorcist, uh, Rosemary's Baby, it's a, 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 a young person compromised by evil, I should say, not, not necessarily a baby. But uh, there is a re- re- reincarnation that occurs towards the end. Uh, D- D- Dracula's fallen love, Domini, uh, you know, seeks to reincarnate uh, and, 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 and bring the, the future Janus back into the fold so that he can, uh, so that her baby can, can have life. And in doing so, uh, again, calls down this very powerful spirit, supernatural entity in Janus, who is re-engaged in the last uh, several issues of once again taking down his father. And these are killer, killer stories. There's even uh, an, 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 an issue where, where Satan drags Dracula to hell to have a final showdown with him. And yes, Dracula uh, it, it goes toe-to-toe with the king of hell, and the king of hell may or may not be manipulating the situation because, of, again, how are you absolutely saying that this Dracula character is Lord of the Vampires? It can, can go toe-to-toe, but it speaks to the evil that Marv imbued Gene with. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Dracula with, and, and the, the brilliance with which Gene Colan illustrated all of it. Again, did I mention Gene Colan drew every single issue? of this series and the, the faces and figures and the, cause Dracula is about capes and tapestry and, and, and heavy overcoats. Uh, there is not a superhero costume in the bunch, but the conflicts, again, the darkness, the, 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 the battles, the fights, the stuff that you like comic books, it's all here. It's spectacular. And Dracula is again under the weight of the, the hunters, the, 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 Blade the Vampire's Hunter, um, Hannibal King. You, you've got, of course, early on, because he's in the Blade movie, you had the rivalry. Uh, uh, Deacon Frost also uh, was, was, after, was after Dracula. You've got the Harkers. You've got the Van Helsings. He is constantly under attack, just wanting to be, you know, have whatever his version of happiness is in this dreaded 500-year uh, existence that he's had. There is no better depiction of darkness, horror, some of the faces, some of the ghastly references. There's a, there's a sequence in an issue. I, I'm, again, I'm trying to not really lean into spoilers here, so I'm trying to mix it up and just kind of tease you. There's an instance where somebody who has done Dracula wrong, Gene Colan has Dracula lifting up his head, and then there's a close-up on the face, and he goes, what, what are you doing? You're, you're crushing my face. And then as if to kind of pivot off camera, Dracula says that I'm going to do much worse than that. And then it pivots even further off camera. And then that, that character is, is, uh, is deceased. But the, 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 the very grim depictions of violence and conflict and dark lords and demons, uh, I've never seen them draw better. I've never, ever seen it drawn or depicted better. And yes, I bought this up because I really wasn't interested in the first place and it grabbed me and it took me and, and I wanted to wait until Halloween 2023 to share this with you. It is fantastic. There is no way you don't read one or two issues and don't go, this thing is rich. It is exciting. It is, it, it, it's heavy and, and, uh, and, and a word I, I like to throw around consequential. You feel like, Oh man, like, like some of these some of these people, uh, they're going to get what they want. They're biting off way more than they can chew and they're going to pay for it. 
Uh, Dracula is relentless in his pursuit to protect the people that he loves, his wife, his baby, and and uh, a little overwhelmed when all these cosmic forces try to take him out in the in the latter, you know, two years of his book. Issues really issues forty five to seventy, I think, are where everything is clicking. It is. Marv Wolfman just absolutely, along with Gene Colan, just the settings, the environments, the challenges, uh, th- th- they're, they're, it's a page turner. It's an absolute page turner. I, I just cannot recommend Tomb of Dracula to you more, especially on this Halloween day. Again, the, the, the collections are all over the place in terms of price. Digital may be your best option, but uh, and seeing the work in black and white in black and white is the richest experience i have been pouring over these essentials since i got them and just uh just in wonderment gene colin would draw what we call with like with the side of his pencil when it came to shading so he just kind of give give i mean literally brilliant construction of faces and then throwing the shadows to the left on the new the nose and under shadow and up shadow whatever he would do that with the side of his pencil just as a gray indication because i've seen those pencils tom palmer would go in with his brushwork very precise brushwork along with some complimentary pen work but he was mostly a brush guy uh and and do the most ridiculous uh fine line and 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 uh and cross hatching and to complement so, so you're not just getting just solid blacks. You're getting some gradients of rendering going into the black. Oh, it's it's so beautiful. If you just go and look at some pages today and check this book out, you will be like, I am super happy that I interacted with this Dracula comic. It is fantastic. Dracula is really not my thing. I told you last year, Frankenstein, Wolfman, they're more my thing. But quality is what quality is and 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 you cannot escape the fact that each and every issue of Tomb of Dracula I mean literally they, they are some of the best drawn comics in the in the history of comic books and there is no denying it and and faces gestures uh just the way that he Gene renders clothes and like I said you know the entire satanic cult that's after Dracula they're all in these very dramatic robes and then Dracula himself is 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 got Tons of robes, and everyone who who battles him is either in overcoats or jackets. But it's modern day. Let's say that the, in the finale, the 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 Harkers, the the Van Helsings, it, it it all builds towards this giant final conflict. Because once everything goes to shit for him, from like issue fifty five to sixty five, the the end game is him getting back to Transylvania, leaving Boston, and going back. Uh, because he does not come out, I will say this, He Dracula does not emerge from his battle with Satan in the same way that he went into it. And and so there there are some limitations and maybe some weaknesses that are, that are cast upon him in the end. But I cannot think of a better horror slash monster title that has ever been produced. And that's by everybody, including the people who did Creepy and, and, uh, and, and just... This thing is incredible. The work is incredible. It is top flight. The writing is a 10. The art is a 10. The covers are 10s. Check out The Tomb of Dracula. I could not recommend it more highly. So so one of the things you may be wondering is, is Rob trying to sell me this Tomb of Dracula? I am. I 100% am trying to sell you this Tomb of Dracula because uh, I never liked Dracula as much prior 
to reading Tomb of Dracula, and I've never liked him as much since. This is the quintessential Dracula as far as I'm concerned. Marvel knew exactly what they were doing. You know, on, on many of the covers, they put uh, Comicdom's number one fear comic. And they were right. It was the tops, and it remains the tops. It is uh, just a powerful, that's the word I haven't used enough, powerful portrayal of a tragic figure of, of immense evil and darkness who is sometimes running from who he is, but when he must embrace his his the, the evil and and uh, the the darkness that that reigns inside of him, he has no no problem. He, Dracula is taking people out all the time, and like I said, in this last quarter of the series between the cult uh, that that tried to raise the devil and raised Dracula instead, uh, who then summoned figures as powerful as Silver Surfer, you get Damien Hellstrom, the son of Satan, who who walks in to help resurrect a crucial figure. And, and and get that figure back in the game. You've got the presence of Blade, who went on to be a multi-million box office superstar. Uh, Lilith, Domini, Domini, again, I, I'm not sure. I've never, uh, you know, I, I called him the Submariner when I was a kid until I heard it was the Submariner. And we've all done mispronunciations. But powerful. And when I, when I tell you again about the art, that it is so exquisitely well drawn. I'm not sure you'll get the the complete appreciation for that outside of seeing it in black and white, but I, completely humbled. One of those, like a John Buscema, like a Frank Frazetta, who's just better at drawing than pretty much everyone. His sweet spot was this book. This is uh, 10, 10, A+, plus, A+, plus, 5 stars, 5 stars. If you can check it out, if you can uh, uh, find it, you're going to dig it. You're going to absolutely dig it. And, and no one will ever convince me that this is not the finest writing that Marv Wolfman ever did. It is a, it is like a 70 chapter, uh, incredible, in, incredible novel. It is just a stunner. I, I literally, this was the one thing I wanted to do on Halloween. And, and so I, I kept it for a year and here it is, it's Halloween. And, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm telling you now, that from 1972 to 1977, the single best horror comic and one of the, I said it at the top, it's a top 10 run of all time. Because you can do top five of anything really fast, you know, but eventually that that six through 10 is where you go, hey, there's more room here than I thought. Tomb of Dracula is in my six through, t- six through 10, if not maybe my top five. It's that good. I'm not kidding around. Neither should you. This is, you all have a hole in your comic book collection right now. You have a hole uh, that you're not filling because comics aren't satisfying you the way they used to. We are not a business that is driven by young people right now. That is a complete fallacy. Manga and anime are driven by young people. Uh, This business is not driven by young people. When you go to the comic stores, you're looking around, you're seeing people your your own age. Maybe maybe 27 is a young person in a comic book store now. Not Not a teenager. Not like, like it was when I would either drive, ride my bike or take the bus or get my parents to drop me off when I was 12, 13, 14. I don't see any of those. They're playing, you know, one of their video platforms or on their handhelds. But we, we middle-aged guys, we're holding up this business right now. It's something to think about. It's probably a topic for a future show. 
But if you are searching for something and this passed you by and you never heard of it before and you're like, Liefeld is selling me Dracula, I am Dracula in this book, Tomb of Dracula, Marvel's Dracula. It's never been better than this, ever. And and, and on Halloween, what else am I going to do, okay? So on All Hallows' Eve, warm up your November, get ready to warm up your holiday season with this, uh, I, I love this, Master of the Macabre. You hear that all the time. And you always go, why is the R silent and macabre? <laughs> you know, you've all, you know, when you're a kid, you're like macabre, macabre. And then you're like, wait, it's macabre. It's macabre. I mispronounce enough uh, words on this show that I, I can, I, I need to get, you know, get some really good, well-pronounced words in there uh, while I can do it. So yeah, Tomb of Dracula, I've given it all the blow and so should you. And just take my word for it, man. How many times have I really steered you wrong? Uh, art, check. Story, check. Inks, check. Uh, engagement with Marvel Universe. Check, 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 check. Okay. Tomb of Dracula. Should have won all the awards. Save your freaking Alan Moore Swamp thing. It's not this good. It's not. It had a great reveal. Hats off to Alan Moore. I was there for the reveal of the green as well. The anatomy lesson, all of that's great. Uh, Tomb of Dracula is better. It's just fantastic. It's fantastic. And there you go. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to cover <clears throat> at the end of the day was last week we got uh, sad word that two iconic, people throw it around too much, but iconic comic stores in Southern California were going out of business. And I, my heart did, did fall. Now, they're both 45 minutes to an hour away from me, so they're not stores that I would regularly uh, frequent, but I had been to one of them in the last six years, bought some stuff, talked to the people who were running it at the time, and I did a store appearance that was uh, an item of, of importance that they actually pointed out on their we're going out of business information. So I was really uh, honored like that they would cite me. But the two stores are Jeffrey's Comics and Heidi Hill Comics. They, are, they have been staples of the LA comic book scene for as long as I can remember. The LA comic book scene, the the, the 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 along with Golden Apple, those were the three iconic stores. And Heidi Ho was actually taping uh, some some YouTube content, some videos. I did a sit down with uh, you may know him as El Mayimbi uh, Umberto, uh, who now is works for the Rap. He he did a uh, a video series. We taped it. I think I may have done one or two episodes and we taped it at Heidi Ho Comics uh, down there in Santa Monica. It was a great location. I I think they had moved prior to that based on this uh, note that they put forth uh, in conjunction with another location that they're that that they're intertwined with related with is Jeffrey's Comics and and Jeffrey's Comics hosted me. Two, two really big deals about about Jeffrey's Comics specifically. Heidi Ho, great comic store, shopped there, did some YouTube uh, appearances there, recognized it as a historical venue, and they will most certainly be missed. I, I have a little more uh, skin in the game when it comes to Jeffrey's Comics, and, and, and when I say skin in the game, not money, I mean experience. Uh, 
two int- interesting items stand out. When Youngblood number one launched, when Image Comics was launched, and it was launched on the back of uh, Youngblood number one against something that is kind of being drowned out and lost to the sands of time, and I won't allow that to happen, and neither should you. Youngblood launched Image Comics. It sat alone for three months because everyone else was scared, and by everyone else, I mean everyone else, all the other names that eventually put out their books, but when they saw, truth be told, that Rob Liefeld was going to make a million dollars on Youngblood number one, holy shit, I got to jump on that train, and they did. Two fifty. Uh, cover price, a buck a book, boom, million sales. That's how you get your math. Yes, it's 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 okay for us to look back and say that there were millionaires among the comic book world. I think it was kind of well known at the time. But uh, just so you know, my first big royalty check, and we've covered it on the show here, especially on the recent episode about finances in comics, is uh, and, and look, you should know that 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 you can make a a really great living making art. You should know that. That should be. It, 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 it may be exclusive to some, you know, not everyone got $20 million a movie like Tom Cruise and Jim Carrey, but imagine if they hadn't given it a shot in the first place, they wouldn't be those guys. Okay. So, so reach for the top, climb that mountain, go to the very top, see what the view looks like. The, the struggle is fantastic. I've done it. I've been there. Um, and, and so I don't mind telling you numbers. Again, we, we read about athletes and, and, and people, what they make all the time. So yes, it's okay for you to know that back in the 90s, we were just completely, uh, just just awash in, in tremendous success. And we earned it because you weren't buying Youngblood for anything other than Rob Liefeld. You weren't buying Wildcats for anything other than Jim Lee. We were selling our products because you liked what we did. And so Youngblood launches, it's a big deal. I launched my very, I did my very first signing at Golden Apple and it was an eight hour signing and, and the, the, the literally, uh, the line was over a mile long. It was just crazy. And I, I, I didn't know how we would get through it, but the, the, it really kicked off the launch of the image universe and the image comics publishing, uh, you know, initiative with as much fanfare as you could possibly imagine. There were helicopters over Golden Apple police helicopters monitoring the activity and the traffic it was heavily policed that day it was it was uh, uh, just a really fun day i've also done a dedicated po- uh, podcast on the day that youngbud number 1 came out and all the craziness that that entailed and i would absolutely if you want to be entertained because uh, I certainly was, because all the stuff that happened that day was quite unexpected. So, so, so you should check that out. Uh, back in the backlog, Youngblood, nineteen ninety two, whatever the, the the name of that episode is. But a week later, I did a signing at Jeffrey's Comics, and I assumed that now that a week had passed, that that there would be the same amount of people there. But there was. It was a five hour signing. It was insane. I mean, basically in the same domain. It was. It was. It was a little further. A little closer to Orange County than 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 uh, than Golden Apple was, which was, which is deep in the heart of Los Angeles. I mean, right there on on on, uh, I think it's Wilshire, and uh, just you know, couldn't believe that a week later I had the same interest. And I mean that sincerely. Like you just go, uh, we 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 got everybody that wanted to be there because the crowd was so incredible. You know that that Wednesday, that release day at at, at Golden Apple. But then I go to Jeffrey's Comics, and Jeffrey owned Jeffrey's Comics, and the staff, everyone there was really kind. They were nice. They were generous. And I sat there, and I signed all those comics. But here's, I, I need to start the, 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 the story by telling you that a few weeks prior to that, my New Mutants royalty check, that's what I was getting to uh, when I say about we did an episode on, on, on how long we would wait for royalty checks. Uh, the royalty check 
from Marvel would generally come nine to ten months later. So New Mutants had come out February, March of New Mutants 100 uh, had come out February, March. It sold a million copies. I got a very generous, big time, six figure royalty check. And I mean, I'm 23 years old. It's a big deal. It's it's life changing money when you're 23 years old, knowing that there's so much more on the way that X-Force number one and X-Force number two, which also sold 1.6 million copies is on the way. You know, the and, and, and a check, a royalty check based off 5 million copies and I got 3.5 of those points. Holy shnikes, okay? That is a lot of scratch that is coming my way. So I knew that this was just the beginning. New Mutants 100 was just the beginning. I took that royalty check. My friend Kyle and I went and he worked the best deal for me and I got a Jeep Wrangler and I still drive it and it has 40,000 miles on it uh, 33 years later, okay? I bought that uh, in March a, no, no, I'm sorry. I bought that in. I, I, it came out. New Mutants 100 came out in March, and I got that check around February of 91. So I went and about a month later got a Jeep Wrangler. My signing is in April, so I've just had this Jeep Wrangler for about a month. I bought it with, you know, I, I just had never had car buying money. You know, I mean, th- th- it, that was, you know, I, I got a big check, and I could take a small percentage of that and go buy this Jeep Wrangler. And my buddy Kyle went and worked a great deal. And then what I needed was the badass sound system. And if you don't think at 23 years old, you're not measuring your dick with your sound system, you're crazy, right? Men, you understand what I'm saying? Uh, pronouns, females, you get it. Uh, look, you wanted to blast your music. You wanted to freaking blast your music. I had two giant speakers put in the back of the Jeep Wrangler, which was open air. It had a, it had a, uh, uh, you know, uh, it was a soft cover because I really wanted to drive without the, 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 the top on there. There is, I did not buy a hard, uh, hard shell. I bought a soft shell and then I had a bikini top, which is just covers the, the initial front part. So I had all these, you know, basically, uh, open air options. And I really just wanted to drive it without a top and I did for forever and I sure certainly drove it open air uh without any sort of shell or top the day that I went to visit uh and, and sign at Jeffrey's Comics but what I had just had done was put these giant speakers in and subwoofers that were probably two and a half maybe yeah two and a half feet tall at least right and left over the back tires and the people that enjoyed that sound system in my car for that few weeks knew how loud I could be. And again, you know, I'm I'm a typical white kid in the 90s who's buying NWA and buying all the rap. And I want you to hear the boom, 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 boom. Okay, so I'm, I'm you know, <clears throat> I pull into Jeffrey's Comics and my brand new month-old Jeep Wrangler with my big giant subwoofers, incredible stereo speaking, uh, brand new state-of-the-art, as expensive as I could possibly afford sound system. And I park behind uh, the, the, the Jeffries and I park behind the Jeffries. Sounds like a restaurant. I park behind the Jeffries. No, so I buy, I park behind Jeffries comics where they have a spot for me. And much like golden apple, those spots are behind just with them. We park behind there too, but it's open air. It's not, wasn't fenced in. So I go and I do my signing and I am, you know, it's April sun setting late. It's 6 PM, maybe six, six thirty. Uh, I've been signing since two o'clock. Whenever signing's over, 
and I go outside to start my car to drive home and my stereo is gone, my speakers have been ripped off, and my subwoofers are a thing of the past. They are gone. They, that, entire, that entire sound system is, is a memory. And I sat there, and I didn't get mad. I just laughed, like, what a dumbass I am. I don't know if it was an inside job. You never know. You can't rule anything out. It really could have just been a couple of guys walking by going, did this guy really just park his Wrangler outside and, and so, so that I could steal uh, the, 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 uh, the, you know, the entire sound system. I'm lucky that the tires were still there, to be honest. I mean, it was, it, my, my sound system was stolen, stripped. I may have gone in and told Jeffries about it, or I may have just driven away. I think I did go in and, 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 and let them know, but I was, you know, what are you going to do? I was living a charmed life. And so what I'll just replace the speakers. It wasn't, there was no, uh, real anger. It was just kind of shock. Like, wow, you can, your car, my car got raped in the back alley. My car got absolutely sound system raped and, uh, wow, violated. And you just go, Ooh, that's, you know, weird. So that, that is a giant memory of that day. Uh, that, that, holy crap, um, my shit is gone. And, and you know, not a, to this day, not a single witness. No, you know, you'd think maybe, hey, Liefeld, you know, I, I, it's been 30 years. I know the guys that did that. Trust me, there are people who stole my artwork that in the last year have contacted me. I know who stole this. I know who has this. I know who did these commissions and signed your name to them. Like, it's crazy what 30 years will do. A whole lot of confessions. A whole lot of confessions come forward. But anyway, so that is a funny memory of Jeffrey's comics that I had doing this celebratory on a high. Wow, they still like me a week later. Youngblood and my shit is gone. It was a Saturday. It was a Saturday. So it was a weekend day. Um, I, I just, I don't believe it was the Wednesday, the Saturday from the Wednesday. I believe it was a full week cycle. But come what may, there you go. That's a, a, a standing memory. The other memory is an employee at Jeffrey's Comics showed me his inking samples. That employee was named Danny Mickey. I hired Danny Mickey the next week. I had heard about this Danny Mickey doing backgrounds for other inkers, but when I saw his stuff, I just said, look, you should be inking full comics. You should be inking full figures. And those of you who love Danny Mickey and love Danny Mickey's work over me, uh, that happened at Jeffrey's Comics, the Youngbud number one signing. He immediately, uh, I put him up at, at, at Extreme, gave him his own studio space at one point, And I'm not sure Danny Mickey will, will remember or tell you this, but I, I, I hate, if you know me, I hate the San Francisco 49ers. I hate them. But there was a Rams 49ers game coming up and I gave him tickets. I wanted to know, like, I wanted to, I gave him tickets uh, to the, uh, when the Rams were at Anaheim Stadium and in, in, in the fall uh, of, of 1992, because I wanted him to, you know, Jump on board, be 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 part of the the celebration of of of, of you know ha- having the fun of working with me and working with Extreme. Um, again, one thing I'm super proud of, and I'll never you know shy away from it. Uh, and it's it's shocking in recent years. I've also heard stories of of what some of these other guys. Uh, I had to tell my wife, you can't say the word slave wages in front of these people. That's offensive to them. But she just wasn't thinking because she heard what they were getting paid at the same time. That did not happen at Extreme Studios. We were, uh, we we were we were generous to a fault. I I took pride 
in breaking new talent. Danny Mickey was uh, right there, and then I saw brilliance in his lines, control in that uh, skill level with his croquil, energy, and brought him in, and Danny inked over me and pretty much all of the big guys at Extreme for the next four or five years. He was exceptional. And he gave me uh, a relaxation with my work. I've I've told people a lot. Faces are very important to me. I need to ink my faces. But having someone else ink all the figures from the neck down and the backgrounds and the gear and the technology, uh, that went a long way. That helped me. I'm not sure that I ever get through Youngblood with... I I fully penciled and inked Youngblood 1 and 2. There's a couple pages that Eric Larson did in number 1. But number 2 is all me. Then issue 3, Danny comes in and he gave me a reprieve. He gave me... uh, uh, just, just I could focus more on getting better as a penciler rather than the, uh, the, 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 the concern of getting the right commercial inking line. And, and, and inking lines were of the utmost important during this time. This is what popped was the slick finishes of the line work. And to this day, uh, I think Danny Mickey is top five inker of all time. And we came to have our connection at Jeffrey's Comics, and he came to work for Extreme Studios shortly thereafter. Uh, again, he was doing some background gigs for other people in the business. For me, I gave him figures and some faces, but figures and full pages to ink from there on in. And I believe, if I'm not correct, I, I paid him a le- at least, at the very least, no less than uh, $300 a page uh, regularly. And Danny, as I've said before, super proud of him. He could do three pages a day. So Danny was at, at some point, you know, uh, making just shy of a thousand dollars a day for years, and he deserved it. Uh, killer work, great work. Super happy of that work that we did together, and super happy that I found him at Jeffrey's Comics. So there is two great memories of Jeffrey's Comics and Heidi Ho Comics are staples. They are staples, and I want to say thank you, thank you to Heidi Ho Comics, thank you for to Jeffrey's Comics, thank you for being around, thank you for servicing the community, thank you for every great memory you gave every fan who walked through your doors, thank you for every signing you put forth, thank you for all the talent that you hosted, thank you for being a place that people could get their comics from, and I, I just, uh, huge shout out, and maybe just like with Toys R Us, there'll come a day that Heidi Ho and Jeffrey's Comics return to us, maybe under some different conditions, you never know, but uh, that that's what I am rooting. Here is the statement they, they put out, I'm going to I'm gonna share this. Uh, <clears throat> after they, uh, they, 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 they informed that they would be shutting down, they said, there are a million stories that we could tell at Heidi Ho Comics and Jeffrey's Comics, and we will continue to hold those story, stories in our hearts. But here are just a few that we hold dear. And they say, number one, we used to make our own bags and boards because companies didn't even produce them yet. We hosted comic celebrities like Jack Kirby, Stanley, Roy Thomas, Marv Wolfman, George Perez, Dave Stevens, Rob Liefeld, Jim Lee, Jeff Johns, Mark Wade, Mark Silvestri, Mr. T, along with hundreds of others. We were the very first comic shop in Los Angeles to offer Jeffrey Sr. and Jeffrey Jr. We were the first comic shop in Los Angeles to offer anime. I'm sorry. Jeffrey Sr. and Jeffrey Jeffrey Jr. would drive to Little Tokyo and pay hundreds of dollars for cassettes of the now classic Fist of North Star, Robot uh, Carnival, Akira, and countless others. 
We hosted clubs for kids to come to after school. In fact, five members of our original comic book club went on to work in comic books, from our fan club to literally drawing X-Men, Youngblood, Spawn, and Batman. We were witness to some of the greatest comic books ever published. We had lines down the street going for half a mile when Superman died. We hosted Rob Liefeld for the very first image comic book signing ever. Youngblood, another line measured in quarter miles and not in yards. We stayed open past midnight for the release of Marvel vs. DC number one. We donated over 100,000 comics to hospitals, schools, juvenile halls, prisons, the armed forces, and trick-or-treaters. Jeffrey's Comics, Heidi Hill Comics, thank you for your contributions. Thank you for helping build uh, the comic book market in Southern California in the greater Los Angeles era. I cannot thank you enough and give you a shout out and to all those people that I didn't meet that work there. Uh, you guys know how I feel about comic book stores. I try and go and support them. I try and and buy as much as I can from comic stores, not Amazon, because I, I understand. And and some of the stores, even some of the stores that I frequent now, say, Rob, I can't I can't carry that trade. I can't carry that collection because I can't do it cheaper than Amazon. Just go get it from Amazon. They've already made the adjustments that they can, but uh, in in uh, in memory of these great stores, I just want to praise once again. I cannot praise enough. I just want to do for another few seconds, another minute. You deserve it. You serve Southern California. You serve the greater LA basin uh, with, with such great service and. We we have no idea how many fans you turned on to comics. Thank you for hosting me uh, for interviews. Thank you for hosting me for signings and and giving me those special memories of my Jeep getting stereo raped and 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 for meeting Danny Mickey and bringing him into the fold. So we just give a shout out, a salute, and thank you from the bottom of our hearts here at Rob Observations. Thank you to Heidi O Comics. Thank you to Jeffrey Comics for all that you have uh, contributed. They say that they're staying open till the end of the year. I should say that. They're staying open till the end of 2023, and then possibly they're going to shift their models. But the the, the brick and mortars, as I understand it, are going to cease to be, and 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 we uh, we just want to continue to support you. And like I said, maybe with toy, along with Toys R Us, there's a chance for both of those clubs to come back and 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 be with us. And that's what we're rooting for. So continue to go there. They're not closed yet, but they're closing soon. And uh, but the notice was sad enough because again it's just an end of an era and and these comic stores meant so many so much to so many people again thank you thank you for 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 being there for all of, of us and for all the fans that that you serviced and turned on to comic books for you longtime listeners you know that at the end of each and every episode I read the reviews that you leave for us and they're not always uh, going to be reviews that you leave on Apple platforms we we we. Uh, we are well served and we are appreciative of every positive word you put out uh, about this show. I love talking comics. If I can inspire someone uh, ab- about comic books through this podcast, then then that that is the greatest service that I could have done because, you know, I just want people to know how much I love comics and, and, and the biggest concern that I have, and I've seen it in, in like the geopolitical landscape and the sports landscape, landscape in the entertainment landscape of recent times, we are absolutely living in the misinformation age. What, what, what was scratching the surface uh, maybe, maybe or in 2016 is now exercised by all sides. Everybody is using misinformation, and it's going to get even worse as it goes forward. And what this show has done is bring you uh, our interviews, sales data, uh, sales figures, charts that are printed in—they were published. They—they they were undisputed. They were—they were—they were released 
from all parties. Those sales figures, those charts, that stuff that Marvel and DC and Image signed off on, interviews that creators said with their own words. And I share them with you here as a time capsule. Really, more than anything, I hope that someday Rob Observations can be seen as a time capsule for the comic book industry um, because that's probably where it's best served. It's kind of like a my own kind of uh, audible audio diary of my own life in comic books with comic books as a fan and then as a professional. But I, I do appreciate the the enthusiasm that you have shared w- about this show today. I'm going to read uh, a review, a commentary from a guy, a gentleman named Chris Soloff. He left this in my Facebook group. And I want to share this with you all. Chris writes, I've spent the last few weeks diving into Rob's Observations episodes and I've been telling all my creative friends to do the same. Creating comic books is tough and it can wear you down, but the energy that Rob Liefeld has during each and every episode makes me put pen to paper getting pages ready for Lewis Thomas to color. Are there any new passionate rock stars like there were in the 90s? I feel like a lot of my motivation is found in listening to creators from then and that a lot of the modern comic book people are just trying to get somewhere else, not grow the industry. I would love to grow my circle of inspiration. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Uh, My motivation, ironically, comes from many of the same interviews that you're citing, as well as so many of my heroes and the people that I grew up with in the 70s and the 80s, which is why I want to share them with you. Uh, comic books weren't I never got into comics knowing that they would be a vehicle to anything other than comic books when Steven Spielberg called and Tom Cruise called and Will Smith called and Jada Pinkett Smith called and J-Lo called uh, uh, that just shocked me I was shocked I didn't didn't get into comics for that to happen and now so often we're judged by oh what movie or what series and I am here to tell you fuck all that I am here for the comic books what turns me on is the comic books is the lines on paper the storytelling the, the, the story design making it interesting. I do think we are a sleeping industry right now. Uh, I, I judge that by the amount of people not doing interior work because interior work is where the stories are told and the connections are made, period. End of story. Uh, I, I just Covers come and go, bully for you. Uh, I, I, I do a lot of covers too. I get paid a lot of money to do covers as well. I also do interiors because that is where connections are made. That is where people fall in love with the work. But Chris, I appreciate you mentioning the interviews and whatever inspires you. And I I appreciate you telling your other creative friends to listen and do the same. I need motivation as well. And I get excited uh, by people talking about the, the excitement that they put into making the comic books. And even to the point of where uh, where I'm developing. Uh, so now I'm going to switch uh, gear and, and you're like, you didn't do this for this reason. I didn't. I didn't get into this to do movies, but I also didn't know that I would bump into a gentleman named Philip Sil- Silvera one day, a, a, a top line, best in the business stunt coordinator and second unit director who wants to direct a movie based on the comic books of mine that he fell in love with because he read them and loved them. The comic books made the connection. He went off into a different direction and became a director and a stunt coordinator. And now he wants to combine both worlds. But that's because he fell in love with the comic books first. Comic books that I was making with no interest in making movies or cartoons. I just wanted to them to be mine. And if I wanted to rip them and show their entrails uh, falling out, I wasn't going to have to be approved by a committee to do it. Because that's that's the ownership that came with creating Image Comics and, uh, and and the follow-up after you've given a, a company like Marvel such incredible characters like Cable and Deadpool and Domino and Strife like I did, I felt like I should keep the rest. But it's the comic book work that I did that sparked Philip to say, hey, let's do this. Let's make, let's make movies. 
It's the comic books can and, and will remain special. My favorite Avengers story is not a movie. It is the Korvac saga. It was written by Jim Shooter. It was drawn by uh, George Perez. Uh, some chapters were, were uh, drawn by Sal Buscema. It It has stayed with me for the entirety of my life, that Korvac saga. It was one year of mystery, of suspense, of excitement, of power, of energy, of action. And I was there for all of it. There was a gentleman named Dave Winzel who ended up doing the final chapters. And I thought they were great. Pablos Marcos, Ricardo Villamonte, all of these different inkers contributed. But it was Jim Shooter's master vision of the Avengers that has me loving the Avengers for the rest of my life. Not a movie. So thank you for that passion. Thank you for uh, interjecting about about uh, the show. And, and, and I just thank, thank you to everybody. We have great reviews that have yet to come, that I've yet to read because you guys keep stuffing the box. Thank you so much again for supporting the show. Thank you for sharing the word of mouth. Listen to me. I appreciate you more than I could ever possibly imagine, but I should tell you at this juncture, this is when we're we're, we're, uh, heading into November of 2023, and I am probably going to be limiting the show to one a week from here on out to end the year. So our twice weekly, uh, I I, I had to make a choice. Do I I take two months off? Do I take the next month off or do I try and just give you one uh, a week? If there's two, great. I have um, I have material for two, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, warn you now that we are probably going to go down to one a week uh, from here on out to finish 2023. Uh, I love making the show. I love sharing the show with you. But as the holidays approach and and uh, different events and commitments and family, I, 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 I'm, I'm probably better off. Uh, limiting it to one now. If something changes, boom, you, you'll see me twice. You'll see me three times. But let me let me let me uh, caution and give you that announcement and, and share that with you at this moment that we are likely uh, from here on in from this Halloween episode that you'll hear on October thirty uh, first on twenty twenty three. I will probably be going for to a one episode a week model to close the year. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. Thank you for understanding. If you want to interact with me on social media, I am on Twitter and they also call it X now. Uh, I, it's just always going to be Twitter to me. I am at Robert Liefeld, R-O-B-E-R-T-L-I-E-F-E-L-D. At Robert Liefeld, got a blue check, signifies that I am the genuine article, the real deal. Uh, I love reading your comments, your replies, your mentions. Uh, thank you for interacting with me on Twitter slash X at Robert Liefeld. I appreciate hearing from you. On Instagram, it's my visual diary. I show you my pictures, my drawings, my family, my food, all the things that I'm doing, the people I'm hanging out with, the events I'm at. I, I share them. It's my it's my life diary. I would love for you to join me over there uh, at, at Rob Liefeld. I got at Rob Liefeld. I got my name on Instagram again because Joy Liefeld was smart enough to say, dude, Get this. You're going to like this. She discovered Instagram for me and my family. So I am at Rob Liefeld with the blue check, again, signifying that I am the genuine article, and I would love for you to follow me and interact with me. Again, I read your comments, your mentions, your DMs, uh, your replies over on Instagram. Thank you so much. On Facebook, where I just read one of these reviews, uh, I have a group. It's called Rob Liefeld Marvel Extreme and Beyond, and we would love to see you over there. We would love for you to submit. We will click you through to, uh, to, to, to join. Uh, it's it's moderated and, and administered by myself and another gentleman named Terry Sala, S-A-L-A. He will be uh, 
the other person who may or may not click you through, approve your comments. The two of us run the group. We would love to see you over there. We are growing each and every day. It is so fun. We have art contests that Terry runs. Uh, many of the discussions that we have here continue deeper over there. And I am so appreciative of each and every member that comes through the door and all of the sharing that we do. And so join us, Rob Liefeld, Marvel Extreme and Beyond is the name of the group. Look for it. And we look forward to you joining and talking to you very soon. I am on an app called Whatnot. Whatnot is the best live streaming app that I have ever experienced. And I've done some beta tests with other people. Nobody tests, t- uh, touches, nobody touches Whatnot. What they do, what they're capable of, the audience that we reach. I am generally now for the rest of the year, unlike this show, I will be on, on I think twice a year as we head into the holidays. We have signed exclusive comic books, variants, Stuff that you can only get through me from whatnot. You got to follow me, Rob Liefeld. Go to whatnot and get the app if you don't have it already. You follow me, Rob Liefeld. You'll get alerts when I go and do my shows, generally on Wednesdays and Saturdays. And, uh, and those, those are all scheduled to change. But if you follow me, you'll get that alert. You'll get that notification. We have new exclusive variants that you haven't seen yet that are going to be in our hands in the next few weeks that we're going to be offering up over on whatnot. Uh, exclusive covers, exclusive. So you're going to get an exclusive comic here uh, real soon one day. And, and all of that is via the whatnot, uh, signed Funkos, signed toys, original art. All of that is stuff that I share and we have auctions. We have buy it now. We have a dedicated store on whatnot. That's really the place to go. If you want exclusive, uh, Liefeld variants, we have them from Marvel, uh, from image. Uh, we, we've done a Spider-Man variant, Deadpool variants, new mutants variants, and, I'm, I'm trying to think. Did we do an X Force variant? We've done we've done Prophet, Evangeline, Blood Wolf. So much of my extreme library. We've got variants that are only available from me through whatnot. Please jump on whatnot. Follow us. I think you'll have a good time. A lot of people. Uh, it's like it's like it's like a FaceTime. I'm talking to you the entire time. It is me sharing all this stuff with you. And and many of you uh, see that I get a little unhinged later in the day. This is early in the day when I'm fresh. I'm fresh out of the box when I'm doing this uh, podcast. At, at night, I'm a little more uh, decrepit. I'm a little more warm and tired and you get to see all of the wrinkles and all the warts and I can't wait to share them with you on whatnot when we bring our exclusives uh, and open the portal and, and and interact with you there. So yeah, get that app. Follow me uh, as Rob Liefeld and I look forward to seeing you. On November 15th, I have yet another comic book out. Deadpool, Batter Blood 1 through 5 are in your stores. They came out June, July, August, September, October. Issue 5 came out a few weeks back. Uh, if you like Deadpool alongside Wolverine and Cable and Venom Pool and Venom and Spider-Man, then this is the series for you. I am so proud of it. I am so um, excited for you to interact with it. It's a really good time. It is our crucial second chapter in our giant Deadpool trilogy. Batter Blood is in stores now, but on November 15th, I believe that is the date, is Deadpool 7 Slaughters. I did a 10-page story. C.B. Sabolsky himself called me up and said, Rob, could we include you in this? We would love to have you in this, uh, which means, Rob, we could use uh, your name to sell this book because people buy Rob Liefeld Deadpool shit, which they do. And Marvel has the sales numbers to back that up and to prove that. And so I said, C.B., I will do that favor for you. And I rose to the occasion and I did a kick-ass 10-page uh, story, which which brings back a character that I introduced in 2004 called Lady Anime. She was in three pages of X-Force 3 in 2004 when I brought that uh, brought, brought a new X-Force miniseries to light, but I didn't get to finish the story with Lady Anime, and here we pick up Deadpool squares off with Lady Anime. You get to see the full extent of her powers and her abilities. I hope that you have the very best time. I had the most fun doing this. We've kept, kept a lot of it under wraps so that you don't see it. I don't want you to see it until the day it comes out. 
Deadpool 7 Slaughters, I have a 10-page story in there. I would love for you. I would. I, I, next time, because I'll, I'll have another chance to share this with you, so I'll go and see all the other creatives that are in it. I just didn't even look. Uh, I, I just did my story and, and, and put it in there, and I hope you enjoy it, and, and uh, it should be a fun book. Lady Anime, she's back, she's there, and I hope you enjoy it. At the end of each and every episode, I want to express to you that I know that the struggle is real every day, man. And and look, I'm getting older and uh, more burdens, more uh, more just trials and tribulations. We all, we all have them, right? You know, uh, a kid you don't expect to get sick, get sick. Uh, a relative passes away. Your friend, uh, your friend's relationship is falling apart, and and it's like you know uh, you have to be there for them and and hold their hand. Uh, through the unexpected divorce. I mean, this is stuff that's happening to me like in my life this week, okay? I have friends who are going through divorces. I have uh, kids who got unexpectedly sick. I have all manner of stuff as a, as a, as Rob Liefeld, the dad, the husband, the uncle, uh, you know, it's the, the, the brother. We're all the same. We've got burdens. We've got stuff that we're dealing with each and every day. And sometimes you got to, you know, take a step back and, and escape and get away from it all. And I do it. I, I partake in it. Uh, get a comic book. Get a graphic novel. Get a trade collection. Go get Tomb of Dracula. Watch a great movie, a great streaming service. Do something you enjoy. Do it with a Reese's Peanut Butter Big Cup. Those are my favorites. Do it with a Hershey's Chocolate Bar. Do it with a warm plate of chocolate chip cookies. Do it with a slice of cake. Do it with a pizza. Do it with pasta. Do it with hamburger. Do it with a fried chicken sandwich. Oh my gosh, I can't get enough of the fried chicken sandwiches. I, I am I am driving so far out of the way to, to participate in, in burning hot chicken sandwiches, okay? You don't even understand. But when I do that experience, it enriches me. I then reapproach my board, my creativity with a different passion, and I am fresh for my family to make maybe better decisions with more wisdom. But your mental health, your physical health, your spiritual health and your emotional health are tremendously important to 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 me to you. So take time, get off the grind, get on the sofa, get on the beanbag, go out with your friends, your family, have have a good time, get distracted, fill fill your mind and your body with a great experience so that you can come back and and deal with life's challenges and life's burdens. And I thank you so much for being a part of our show. And we are rooting for you. And boom fist bump right through this blue yeti microphone all the way to you i hope it touches you i hope you feel that we are rooting for you because we are thanks again as always uh we're going to close out the year like i said going down uh a few episodes but that doesn't mean i'm going anywhere i'm still going to be here and i expect you to come find me okay because i will here we go most definitely absolutely and inevitably i'll talk to you again real soon